You are now listening to the Claim It Podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, I love having conversations with people who inspire and intrigue me. I like going through the journey of their life, well, as much as we get into the ups and downs and what keeps them going. On this episode, I got to talk to a dear friend of mine, Sonal Shaw, that, oh my goodness, I think I've known her for 20 years. <laughs> um, you'll, you'll hear how we became friends in this episode. Sonal has been a working actress for nearly that entire time. And so we go through the ups and downs of that. And again, like what keeps her going? She's been a voice on the cartoon, the Mira cartoon on Disney, Powerpuff Girls, oh, Mira Royal Detective, the Powerpuff Girls. She's been in Scrubs, Superstore. And recently she was a part of this amazing film, independent film that has been getting a ton of attention and is actually now out and available for you to watch called Four Samosas. So let's get into her journey. Oh, of course, I would love, 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 love if you could follow the podcast and leave a review. And if you leave a review, you can screenshot it and send it to podcast at yourjoyologist.com. And I'll send you a little gift from my product line as a thank you. Okay, here we go. Okay, I'm so excited to talk to you. It's kind of funny because we've known each other, wow, over 20 years. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> right? <laughs> and like been friends, but at the same time, yeah, we met like, oh, friends of friends and this and have hung out and known each other for years. But at the same time, I've never really had like a like get to know Sonal sort of conversation. But this is fun because even people who I am like super besties that I've had on my podcast, yeah, like I end up learning so much about them that I didn't know. It's so interesting. So I'm excited for this. <laughs> so I start with everybody. You can go earlier than this, but I love hearing about starting in high school because I feel like that's such an interesting time of like it can feel like what am I going to do with the rest of my life and there is a lot of pressure on like oh okay are you going to college where are you going to college what are you going to be when you grow up but if you want to talk about earlier life too but just sort of like set the stage of like you know we think like we have to have it all figured out and like that's it or something early on <laughs> yeah uh well thank you for uh having me on it's nice to talk to you T um I, uh, so I actually, am going to take it back to two moments earlier than high school because they were, I feel like pretty defining moments. I'm going to take it back to third grade when our Lincoln elementary school does a production of the Nutcracker every year. And I dreamed of playing Clara. That was sort of a, I don't know why I had the dream, but I've always, I always wanted to play Clara since from basically zero to eight years old. <laughs> so you must have like gone to see the Nutcracker yes. or watched a movie or something. Yeah. And you were like, I want to be her. Yeah. Got My it. parents were, you know, took me to the theater when I was little and I was a Bollywood, I would do Bollywood dances just like amidst um, family, friends and things. So I was kind of like a born performer, but playing Clara would have been the dream come true. 
I did not get cast as Clara. I got cast as a Holly Hobby doll, which I don't even know if that's an actual character in the Nutcracker, but it was a character in our version of the Nutcracker and the Holly Hobby dolls appeared, uh, I think, in Clara's like dream sequence, her, her dream. And I remember being devastated devastated that I didn't, that I wasn't cast as Clara. And this was, we had no auditions. There was nothing. It wasn't based on anything. It was just sort of assigned, sort of like randomly. sign, like sign up. Oh, do you want to be part of the play? Yes. yes then great. You're going to be this person. Exactly. But I was devastated. However, I remember even in that moment when I was eight years old, I was like, well, I'm going to be the best Holly Hobby doll I could possibly be. But even though I was, I was very, very devastated. So that, like, when I, it's, it wasn't until later in life that I realized how much of a shifting moment that was of just the fact, kind of knowing that maybe at, even at a young age, I wanted to be an actor, even though I didn't really know what that meant. And, um, like what that entailed to be, have a career as an actor. And then fast forward to seventh grade. We did, I was in kind of, I did a lot of the school shows, the musicals and the plays, and I did a play, a musical called Time and Time Again. And I remember I was like a gang member of this, this crew. And I couldn't even tell you what the musical was about, but I had one line and it was when the leader of the gang basically said something along the lines of, I, I have one word for you, shut up. And I say, Hey. That's two words. And that's all. That's my only only line. And every night, for some reason, it got a huge laugh. And that was my first experience ever of, I think, make like of being sort of a catalyst of making people laugh. And I was like, wow. And so it was so funny because in every we did every night we had the performance. I milked that line so much. And I'd be like, that's two words and I would do it differently every time (laughs) and I had a ball and it was but that was a huge that moment was like oh I'm this is what I'm meant to be once again I still didn't know what it meant to be an actor and it wasn't like oh I want to be an actor when I grow up in that moment it was I'm an actor now like right like this is so fun I love this feeling I love which that's so great. You had like, yeah, you only had one line, but it was like an impactful line that got an audience reaction like that. Yeah. And it's kind of one of those things where you hear like, oh, there's no such thing as small parts. And that was one of those. It was sort of akin to the Holly Havy doll moment of, you know, there is that I was taking something that was, quote, a small part. And I think starting to take up space just as a human and as like, okay, what could I do with this one line that will make it, you know? And so then in high school, basically, I just, I was in the performing arts department, you know, I was on speech team, I did the musicals, I did the plays, I did um, show choir, show choir was probably the biggest thing, um, which is similar to the show Glee, where, you know, it's a choir that we would do, we'd have choreographed dances and do performances and do competitions and things like that. And it was, um, and then I was a pom-pom girl. So I was, everything was all about in the realm of performance. But then I went to college and I was pre-med. Well, yeah, I was, so I was before, I was going to say, what did your family, how did your family feel about you being in all of these performance-like things? And did they fully support you or are they wishing, you know, like you did more academic stuff? I'm guessing you probably did well academically as well. 
Funny enough, yes, I did. I I feel I was an overachiever. <laughs> I was, and I I can say that now because it's funny because these days I don't feel like an overachiever. But I and I often, even when I write, like when I'm writing scripts, it's always, oh, a woman who used to be have this, this, and this, and this. Like I, you know, I spoke at my college graduation. I I sang at my high school graduation. I wasn't valedictorian, but I was that person that you know. I was also in like all the clubs and all the activities. And so I was just that, except with the exception of sports, you know, I didn't do, palms was to me a sport, you know, but it was dance team essentially, but it wasn't, you know, a varsity level sport. I did, I was a very terrible athlete um, and I still am. And like, I'm kind of one of those people that when the ball comes to me, I run the other way and um, I don't try to catch it. Um, but yeah, I, my family was very supportive, you know, since I, cause I was also, since I was a dancer, I did, since I was performing, I was sort of in the Chicagoland community, the dancer, like in the sense that I would, people expected it. We, re, I recently had an anniversary party for my parents and even my parents' friends were like, we thought you were going to perform a dance. And still like, I'm just the person that in our community was the, was the performer. And I, and I think the reason why my dancing, I was, not, I'm not a trained dancer, but what I would do in my, in my dance performances, which was, I would always like create a story in the dance that had a clear beginning, middle and end. I didn't know I was doing that at the time, but it was definitely like I would use, I would try to create like a love story in the dance. And I most often would improvise the day. Like I would think of I would just think of the story and then whatever would happen, I would create the music. Like I put a medley of Bollywood songs together and then perform. So my parents were, it was not unexpected then for me to do all the things at school. And they came to all my performances and, and all that. However, I think, yeah, when going in term, that was yeah, when like going from high school to college and making that choice. Yeah. What came into play that, so you ended up going to college for pre-med. I went to Loyola in Chicago and I wasn't being an actor as a profession never crossed my mind. I did not think that that was something people did. I even remember being at Loyola, meeting some of the actors there and thinking, Oh, how, like what resume, you know, an acting like, and I, it just never, I just was an actor. Like I didn't, it was nothing. It was like, this is something I'm fun. I'm joining in high school and I love to be a part of these things. Yeah. But I did have a friend, Kim Del Santo in high school. One of my, one of my closest friends who I'm still very close to, she was a child actress and actor. And, um, she was in like a Got Milk commercial and she was doing, you know, she was the person that I knew that was like a, a real actor and working. And so that was, she was definitely an inspiration for me. Like at, at one point of thinking, you know, there were seeds planted of maybe this is something, but yeah, I really, I love helping people. I love science. I love math. So pre-med was to me the natural, the natural choice, but it was almost like a subconscious decision that, you know, I got to college and I was like, oh, there's auditions for West Side Story, which is my favorite musical. And let me go audition. You know, I was the only one, I think, in that audition that wasn't a theater major. And I was cast, but I remember it was a lot of the professors at school and the other students that were, it was their sort of validation that started making me think like, oh, this is something I could potentially do. But 
And then I started doing a lot of the, the after that, then I just continued doing the plays. And, but I was pre, but I was hardcore pre-med, you know, and taking like organic chemistry over the summer. And I really wanted to be a doctor. I was volunteering at Children's Memorial Hospital. And, but then in the meanwhile, I'd like go do a play at school, you know, in school. And, and, um, we did like a, like a school version of the, like we did an award show and I got an award for like best supporting actress for a play that I did. And I remember in that moment also being like, what, is this something that I could do? And so I'll be very honest, it had a lot to do with external validation initially, but there was more the external world telling me what I think I already knew, but was too, didn't really see in myself that, oh, wait, this is something I've always, since third grade, I've wanted to do this, but here's a world saying, do it. Well, I mean, I like that you're like being, you know, oh, to be clear, it was this external validation that sort of showed me that. I think that like, yeah, we can be... I mean, a lot of my messaging is right. Yeah, it's you. Like, you need to believe in yourself. What matters most is what you think about yourself. Like, I am very big about driving that message on. Don't worry so much about other people. Like, we're constantly looking for external validation, but we need to be looking for our own. And that's true. And, like, of course, <laughs> we're all like naturally looking for external validation, but there is many ways where it's not like wrong, where, like you said, you might not have ever considered it like and it wasn't like oh I became an actor because other people told me I should or something but they were noticing something in you that made you realize I didn't even allow myself to see this as a possibility it sounds like and it's and and the same thing with you know oftentimes it is like okay trust your gut do this and also when we see other people doing something, it can give us permission to be like, oh, I think I want to do that or something too. Like, so it's not like, oh, I'm copying someone or I'm getting, you know, information of that. Like, it's like taking information from the outside world to help us figure out for ourselves what you want. Like, so you listen to that external validation of like, you're really good. You're getting awards. Wow. And be like, wait a minute. Could I do this? Do I want to do this? Mm-hmm. And I say, I mean, and it's, it's funny. It's one of those things where it's, you know, I, I, it's not that I was doing it for the award or anything like that, but there are just these moments that happened that it's sort of that when everyone laughed, when I said that one line, it was kind of like, oh, this is, I just never, you know, in my cult, culturally, ancestrally, all of the, it was, I just never thought that it would be a, a career I would pursue. I do want to mention my mom is very, you know, she was kind of ahead of her time in a lot of ways. And even these days is like a, she's like a stand up comic among her group of friends. And she's really funny and really, and saucy and like feisty. And uh, my dad, my mom met my dad when she was working for a Bollywood financier and living as a paying guest in Mumbai, which at that time was also very, very rare. To for A, for a woman to be working and B, for uh, her to be living away from her family and doing that. And so I do think sometimes that like I get a lot, I think the performance sort of gene is from her. And so I think, and once that sort of clicked also like at a little bit of an earlier age of it was, oh, like I'm also, this is also, it's not, this is not only for me, it's for her. And then now I, ha I have a niece and nephew and I think about it is for them and for them to see that representation, you know, there's lots of 
I, I don't feel like I'm doing this only for me. There is a, yeah, there is that, there is that element too. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. And also with, before I move on to like, was thinking to that theme of like, it's another reason for us to like give people compliments and tell people what they're good at. You know, like it's like we can act as if, oh, people don't want to know, or of course they are. But like, you know, me, like, you know, I like when somebody tells me something, I'm like, oh, right. I forgot about like, oh, thank you for like affirming that for me and reminding me about that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so like to give love to people, tell them like, wow, to acknowledge them for things because it can help them see themselves like what they want to be doing and remind them of who they are and what they're capable of. Absolutely. The number one, I feel, beautiful gift that's come out of this, of being an actor is community and is connection. That's what it's all about. You can't, you know, there's, you can't even what as an actor, I can't like sit, I can't be in my apartment and act, you know, and just, it is a communal art form. It is share. It is, it's a shared storytelling and yeah. And, but, and, but also just out, just the being an actor, aside from the actual act of acting, having that community, having, having the support where you support and they also support you. It's a necessity. It's, it's very much needed. And that is what has hundred percent kept me going. Because it's not easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, now I want to get into that too. Um, okay. So what did, um, so you're in college, you won some supporting actress award. What, um, did you end up like changing your major, major or like, yeah, what happens in college? <laughs> yeah, basically I changed my major to theater after taking the MCAT, which is the admissions test for medical school. I so wait, when does that happen? The summer before my junior year, I took the MCAT and then basically end of first semester of my junior year, I essentially made the decision to not go to medical school and um, switch my major to theater. And then I was, my second semester, I went to study abroad in Rome. So it was pretty much like on the way to the airport that I told my family <laughs> that. Oh, so you were already like planned to go to Rome for your semester abroad and changed. Like, yeah, I changed before. I, so it was this, it was this very cinematic kind of moment where I kind of told my family, Hey, so I'm no longer going to go to medical school. I'm going to be an actor. Ciao. I'm heading off to Rome. And, you know, but I will say their reaction wasn't, that of disappointment. They were, it was, they were almost sort of like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and, you know, and I noticed also it was when I was, all my roommates in college are doctors now. And Kate, my roommate of four years in college, you know, it'd be one of those situations where she would, I would study twice as long for the same exam because I would be thinking I would spend so much time in the theater, even painting sets. Like, and I'm like, oh gosh, I have a bio exam tomorrow, but I'd rather be painting these sets. So I just, it was like a intrinsic, like sort of, it made, it was sort of honoring like, okay, what does my soul want? You know, what is my, what is this? Because it, it, it wasn't also an easy decision to drop going to medical school. And these days, sometimes I'm like, well, I could have done that and been an actor, you know, you know, but in that, in that moment, it just felt it just felt like this is the right thing to do. And I went to Rome and I remember kind of like 
standing on top of a cliff screaming, I'm a free spirit and trying to, (laughs) trying to figure it out and thinking, what, how, what am I going to do? And how am I going to do this? And coming back and I did, we did a production of three sisters right off the bat fall of my senior year. And I remember that was also when 9-11 happened. That was, it was kind of another shifting moment. I remember being exactly where I was. I was in the theater department when I found out about 9-11 and we had rehearsal that night and, and also just coming together to, for rehearsal in that, on a, in a day like that, in a space like that also provided a sense of, of light in the darkness that was happening. And that was, um, I, I, like theater always, theater and acting has definitely has been sort of, I don't want to say the answer, but it's been like the safe, a safe space, um, to go to. And, and and just as the years gone on, went by, it became deeper and deeper. Yeah. So that's how that, and then, so senior year, I was basically all in and doing the prerequisites and the requisites at the same time, you know, and just trying to get the major, get, trying to satisfy all the requirements. And, but I graduated, yes, as a theater major with minor, with a pre-med concentration, because I finished that and minors in biology and psychology. Trisha here. You gotta go check out and try some of Blissoma's skincare products. It is authentic green beauty, which is cutting edge chemistry, meets traditional herbal knowledge for the best of both worlds. It is really important what we put on our skin. So often we pay attention to what we're putting in our bodies, but not necessarily what's on our bodies. But this can be confusing because a lot of brands out there use what's called green washing or health washing. So they can just say whatever they want in the marketing materials, but it might not actually be true. And sometimes those natural things can actually irritate your skin. Blissoma, their recipes are original and they offer a huge range of phytonutrients that benefit every skin need, including sensitivities and painful skin problems. Their products create balance within the skin and the body. They are formulated to allow you to proactively and naturally manage a variety of skin issues. And also, if you don't have skin issues, I have been using clean beauty products for over a decade. And when I started using Blissoma, it was shocking to me that immediately I saw and felt a difference in my skin. Like, I don't even want to put my the normal tinted sunscreen or makeup on that I normally wear because my skin just looks and feels so healthy and vibrant. Okay, check them out. Go to blissoma.com. People have been raving about their products for years. Their free rejuvenating gel cleanser was named the holy grail of facial cleansers by No More Dirty Looks, which is the book that taught me about clean beauty over a decade ago. The Restore Omega Miracle Facial Oil is a masterpiece of nutritious oils to keep a huge range of skin types glowing and supple. And also it was being used and requested on set by Elle Fanning when she was working on Maleficent 2. It's 10 oils cold pressed and unrefined from rare seeds. You can even go to their site and you can fill out this form that you tell them about your skin and a human writes back with product suggestions that work for you and what you're looking for for your skin. 
You can use my code CLAIMIT20 to get 20% anything in their moisturizer category because right now it's winter. We could all use some extra moisturizer. Seriously, no BS. This skin line is the best thing I've tried. You feel the difference, see the difference right away. And they make every product with such care and science. And they really are just top notch at everything they do. And then did you, I feel like, did you move to LA pretty soon after graduation or what was, or what happened after graduation and what, yeah, like that's a big, yeah, I I can't imagine that like graduating from college and like, okay, I chose to be a theater major and then like, what okay, yeah, now this is like real life. I'm out of an actor. And those, I basically spent four years I jumped into theater in Chicago and in Chicago in classes. And I did my first production professional production at the Goodman theaters, a Christmas Carol. So you stayed in Chicago and just tried like got into theater in Chicago, mm-hmm. which I, I mean, yeah, Chicago has a, I mean, it's not like Broadway, but they have. Oh yeah. I mean, like it's several definitely, theaters it's called of- the second city for a reason, you know, like there was, the Chicago is a very vibrant theater scene with so many talented professionals, artists that it was a great place to, and I, you know, I never actually thought about moving to LA. I was doing theater. You know, I was a theater actor. It was definitely, we, along with my best friend, Parvesh, other friends, we started in, as the first South Asian theater company, Russica in Chicago. And then in the meanwhile, though, I was doing a lot of odd jobs, you know, because that was the reality of the situation. I was and I lived I was living at home uh, in Wheaton and the commute to the city was sometimes could be up to two hours with traffic. And uh, I was work. I did a lot of things. I worked in real estate. I worked for this company where we stocked hair products at grocery stores. Like from, you know, I remember it'd go, you'd get there like 6 a.m. to 12, you'd stock products. And then I'd go to an audition or I'd go to rehearsal. And I worked for actually Parvesh's mom at a GNC. They, they, they had a couple of GNC stores. So I did that. I waitressed, stir fry restaurant in Oakbrook. It was a lot of odd jobs and, or money jobs, I would say. And luckily also my parents were supportive you know there was there they I still I don't really know how when I look back on that time is that they they were really fine with a lot of what I was doing because it was sort of like I'd work during the day and I'd go to the city for either rehearsal or a show or to watch a show but I immersed myself in theater and then I went I did this program at Harvard they do a combined program with the Moscow Art Theater School and it was a summer program for three months or so, uh, where we just worked on Chekhov material and which I was really interested in. And Chekhov is very slice of life. The, his plays are very slice of life, which is also very in the realm of TV and film. So that was kind of what started that journey of TV and film. And then I started taking on-camera classes in Chicago and, uh, I started doing some short films and then it was a director of one of the shorts, Sean Jordan that was like, you should consider moving to LA. And I was like, what? No, I'm not going to move to LA. And like, I can't leave my family. I'm so close to my family. So I'm like, I can't leave my family. I can't do that. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Go to LA, live with an actor. You know, I just, this, the idea of LA did not seem, it seemed very unromantic. And, um, 
he told me there is this girl, Jacqueline Dean, that he knows that is looking for roommate. She's an editor. So I met her for like a blind friend date. And I invited her. I was doing a show called with this company called Stir Friday Night, a comedy show with my friend Danny Pudi, who's from Chicago. And I remember inviting her to it. And my parents were like, who is, who is she? Like, great. You know, who's your new friend? I'm like, oh, yeah, she's this girl that I might move to L.A. with. And that, and was, that was like the first time, I, time you mentioned it. The first time I said it out loud. And once again, I just think I'm so grateful for my parents. Like I'm really, they are so, they, I feel like they never, you know, of course they were sort of like, what? But in my mind also, I'm like, I'm going to go to LA for a little bit. I'll be back. And then next thing you know, my dad and my brother helped buy a car for me. And they, I mean, they bought the car for me because I didn't really have any money. And I drove, I had an agent in Chicago that set me up with an agent in LA and I drove out by myself and um, got here. And then I met, you know, Jacqueline had found a house with two other girls, Tina and Allison, who I'd not met. And I met them that day when I moved in. Which, FY, that's how we know each other. I went to college with Tina and Allison. <laughs> and they <laughs> moved from Chicago uh, to L.A. And then, yeah, like they were out there for like a year. And then, yes, we're moving into a bigger house and needed roommates. And, yeah, they knew Jacqueline still from Jacqueline's like a year behind them in college. Got it. So, yeah, so that's how I met Sonal. But that's exactly how I met you. And that's there is that that's what happened. It's sort of like I came here and they kind of took me under their wing and introduced me to everybody. And it was like I kind of fell. I immediately fell into a community here. Like, yeah, you had a community, which that must have been how different if you had just like came out to LA by yourself and found a place to live and like, yeah, like how different that experience may have been for you. That even though you didn't know these people, that it was like, okay, there's (laughs) somewhat of a community there. And I did, I, Parvesh who had moved also a year before, and then I had another friend, Megan, who had moved before. So I knew Megan had gone over, I remember to, I think, check out the house and sort of tell me and Megan and I, I met Megan doing the very first play I did after college. And then she and I were roommates when we went to the Harvard program. So you had some of your own community out here. So too. I had, yeah, I had a few people that I knew. However, and you had an agent and I had an agent. Yeah, it was. Well, it was an agent for commercial representation. And um, I remember at that time there, they couldn't take me on for TV representation naturally, because I had no TV credits. I didn't know what I was doing. But I was an improviser and I did a lot of sketch comedy. So they had just randomly sent me on an audition for um, an improvised show with Jason Alexander. And I had I had a callback for that and I got to improvise with him. And I remember it was that that I think proved to them that then they took me on as a as a TV client as well, because that, and then immediately they started sending me on TV auditions and they were so funny. Cause when I look at myself, I mean, I was so, I weird, like, it's like, I had no idea what I was doing, but because of that, I was in this place of fun and surrender and like, all right, let me just do this. And then over the years, I lost a lot of that fun and surrender. Things started 
you know, we'll get into that, but now I'm full circle starting to get back to that again. I'm like, well, how, why was it so, I wasn't, and I will tell you, and I know why is that I didn't, I wasn't not attached to the results at that point. It was all about the process. It was all about fun. It was all about, okay, well, sure. I'll improvise with, you know, George Costanza. And I, in my mind, it was just a fun thing. I didn't think it wasn't like, oh, I got to get this. It was like, this is just fun. And so I get to go line. try this. Like, yeah. cool. Like not even about getting it. Whereas like, yeah, later in life, I'm going to be like, I have to get this or like, yeah, it feels like more pressure or something. No, I get that. I think about that all the time in different ways where, yeah, when I was younger, like I might've been doing the same things or like, you know, but yeah, it was just sort of like, yeah, okay. Why not? Like, because you don't have as much, like we have like experience and stuff, but yeah, just it doesn't feel like less pressure. And then I feel like once you learn more about something, like even let's say like me offering a group coaching program, like a decade ago, I was like, oh, cool. We bought programs. Great. I'll just do this. this. Why not? Like, whatever. Like, I'm figuring it out. Like, this is so awesome. I can do this and whatever. And like now after doing many and then also witnessing other, like seeing other people doing this way, that way, that way, like it's so easy to see. Then it's like, feels like I can get in my head more about things or this isn't this or there's a right way or the this or this didn't look like this, whatever. And like have to, I have to remind myself too, like, let's like, yeah, let's remove, like sometimes let's remove all that information that you've collected in knowledge and history. (laughs) Come back into the like, I, in this last, like, I feel like year plus and, you know, like moving to a new place and just like a a new chapter in my life have been like leaning on, like, it's, let's just experiment, try things out instead of being like, this is it, this has to work or this is the next thing. It's like, it's all an experiment. So I have been way back in that energy in this last year too. <laughs> yeah, it's that surrender. It's it's surrender in a different way. Like back then, I feel like I was it was surrender because of youth and not knowing. Now I know, you know, and now it's like that. And having the knowledge, but then still choosing to surrender is, I think, the, my daily, my every day, just of of letting letting go and surrender, letting go and surrender, being open, <laughs> staying open. Let, I should mention, this is not because I should be doing that. And I'm referring to uh, your amazing book, F the Shoulds, Do the Ones. I'm about halfway through. And I, I love it. And, but, it's, but it's, I think I've been thinking about it a lot because it's when I say, oh, it, it is, I'm very mindful of, it's not that I should surrender. It's that I want to. I want to get back to that place of um, freedom. Awesome. You moved here, had an agent, and they were sending you out on things pretty quickly. I was going to ask you about that experience, but I'm like, you somewhat already sort of did that, like, you were able to sort of be mostly excited and like eager for things or were, you know, like, yeah, was the audition feel like fun to you or were you like, I'm like, like, because I can't imagine, like, I often think, <laughs> like, like, that's a lot to constantly going into, yeah, auditioning for things and having no idea if you're going to be the one that gets it, if you're going to get 300 no's before you get a yes or what. So for me, it's sort of that middle, the middle time of me being here is when a lot of that, that, that stuff came up of the, the hardness, I don't know, you know, like the, the challenges of, of those kinds of things. In the beginning, there was this sense of, of play and openness and, um, really not, not caring about the results. 
I remember I tested for a pilot and this was back in the day. These days, when you test for a pilot, sometimes they just send your tape along. But this was one of those situations where you go in and and testing for a pilot means you're you sign contracts, you're up for a series regular role on a show. It's kind of as for a, for TV, it's sort of the biggest thing you can get to be a series regular on a show. Uh, this was early on where I was testing. And when you test, there's usually you test against two or three other people and you make it to the final, you go to the final round. It's like the, they do a network test, a studio test. But I walked in, I remember, and there's 30 people in this auditorium, a small auditorium, all in suits. And I had a microphone attached to me. And I remember I had, I had never done, I'd never had an, a microphone attached. Like I, you know, I did it in, in college and shows. we sometimes do microphones, but it's a rare thing in an audition situation to have a microphone at that point. And I remember doing the audition and then standing up and forgetting that I had the microphone kind of on the chair and it disconnected and I did not handle it gracefully. I really fumbled. I was so nervous. And that was my first, I feel, big loss in the sense that I felt like I made the mistake. It wasn't a loss that, oh, they, I did the best I could and they just cast someone else. This was, I messed up. This was my fault. How could I do that? I, and I remember really beating myself up, up about that. And then... And then it was after that, then for several years, it was, things just got harder. I feel I started, it wasn't, I can't say it was really that particular thing that caused the the challenges later on, but I just, I started getting more in my head. I started getting more nervous of, I hope I don't mess this up. I hope I don't forget a, a line. And and then I started seeing other Actors that were that in my mind I thought were more beautiful or more, you know, um, and had more experience and had more credits than I did. I started comparing myself and that these kinds of things then started getting me in my head. And then I would I, I would start having full on panic attacks before auditions. Like I remember just being so like blackout nervous. I couldn't get and it and then I was and I was waitressing. I waitressed for seven years during this time. And I was, it was a late night restaurant. So I was kind of always tired and hard. It was just hard to focus. And yeah, it was just years of this, like just literal years of me. And, and also not really knowing what I could do on my own to pursue, you know, I, I later on, there's sort of like the YouTube came out, you know, and things like that. But it was never, I never thought about doing that. And like it, a way to be able to take it into your own hands. It just felt like I have to wait for someone to say yes to me. I have to audition and whatever. They have to pick me. And then otherwise, it's like out of my hands. Exactly. And so that was a big, sometimes I look back and I'm like, oh, what if I had done this, this, and this? What if I had written my, you know, screenplay and tried to sell it 10 years ago? What if I wrote that thing? What if I made, wrote my web series? And I, but I felt powerless and I didn't, it was, I also am an actor, like in the sense that I don't, con, I don't consider myself a multi-hyphenate <laughs> in the sense that, you know, I don't feel like I'm an actor, writer, director. 
although I have directed, I have written, I teach acting, there are things that I do, but my, the thing that I feel most confident about even now is acting. And so, yeah, I just, I didn't, almost, I didn't want to be a multi-hyphenate. Like I want, I'm like, no, I want to, I'm an actor. There are other people who are just actors. I want to be an actor. That's what I, that's what I do. This is what I know how to do. This is what I feel confident in. Yet I would still have panic attacks. I think as I put so much pressure on the acting, on that, now I don't get as nervous, but there were several years where I feel like I just blew it. I blew, I got, I was getting huge opportunities, series regular after series regular for big shows. And I just blew them. I blew it. <laughs> like I, I, and I, but it's almost, you know, it's one of those things where maybe I had to go through that to get to where I am now. And, uh, and then I started getting some, having some health issues, some, you know, digestive issues and psoriasis and, and things like that. Then I, though it just, it brought, I, I sort of let myself get broken down by my own mind. Well, besides your own mind, I make up, there was probably external forces. Like, to, I mean, even the fact of these days, when I watch shows, I feel like there is so much more diverse, not just even in skin tone, but in sizes, ages of stuff of shows where in my mind, I never wanted to be an actor probably because I never thought it was possible for me. But I do think there was also this like, you have to be, you know, this perfect size, this perfect look or whatever. And I sometimes will see things. I'm like, wow, look at that. That's so, wait, like that's so like, you know, like that where it's just like, oh, wait, could I even like go like, you know, audition to be like a model or something like that? Like not like, look at me. I'm I did. I wanted to be a model when I was young. Like I was looked up to those like and I was like, I'm tall, but I was never had the like stick thin body type. But, you know, now it's not even like because I want to be a model. It's just even more like, wow, it feels like it's the, it is not. Obviously, there's still such this must look like this ideal, but it feels like so much more open. Did you also besides your own getting into your own head about acting, but then also that, did you have, was it, I mean, obviously, yeah, you are South, is it, what is the Yeah, South Asian, yeah. I was going to say South Asian. South Asian American, <laughs> yeah. South Asian American descent, like, you know, I make up to like, yeah, did they, did that play into what auditions you got sent on or no, or were you, were you often in rooms and did that change over the years of like, okay, there'd be people of all different color, hair type and skin type. Or when you were there, it was like all brown skin, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like just even did that also play into the casting experience and what you were able to audition for and then what feedback you might've been got, you've gotten too, that wasn't even about your acting. For me, it was kind of a mixture of both. Like I do feel, you know, there were many times when I was told, oh, she's not, she doesn't look Indian enough or or South so Asian they would even enough. be like wanting Indian, but then she doesn't look Indian enough. Yes, that happened quite often. And um, or yeah, or yes, we want Indian, but we sh she has to have an accent. And but then also, but I will say early on, I did feel like I was getting more opportunities. Like for the one this this pilot that I mentioned before, it was all ethnicities. I got it was great because I feel like I was being seen more for my essence as opposed to what I look like. I will say more recently that's changed for good and for bad for, 
I feel like majority now more, I would say the higher percentage of auditions I get for TV and film are um, South Asian specific. That is frustrating because I'm, I'm of the notion of representation matters, but representation means also normalizing South Asian on screen and also in roles that are perhaps not specifically written for South Asian, but just written for a human. And like, and, and I do know that is happening too. And I think that I just, I haven't personally had those opportunities as much. And so um, I hope that I, that turns around. And now in theater, it's been a different story as you know, you came to my last play and it was amazing. I felt like I got I had the opportunity to play, have a role with a full arc and a beginning, middle and end that had really nothing to do with, it had to do with an internal struggle of being human and being a woman as opposed to being South Asian. And there were maybe a f- one or two references, which is, so I'm not saying one is right and one is not, but I, I just, I hope that we can get to a point where you know, I do, I do, our, our culture matters or what we, our ethnicity, you know, it all, it all matters, but yeah, I guess I just, I hope that we can have both. We can have stories that are in like specifically South Asian and roles that are, yes, need to be South Asian actor, but also just roles that could be anybody. And let's, let's look at the, who the person is and what essence do they bring as an actor. But did that like mess with you at all? Or like what, like, yeah, like what were ways that you were able to, or I guess, yeah. So we, you had some hard years. <laughs> right, right. We're getting there. And then, yeah. Did you also like think about quitting acting at all? Oh, every day, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all, yeah, all, all the time. Every, I mean, it was, and you know, it's like when you also choose a profession that even though my parents were supportive, it is, it was against the norm in our community. And so, you know, my parents, friends would be like, yeah, what is Sonal actually doing out there? And there'd be this want, I would want to say, I'm doing great. I'm acting. I'm on a show. I'm doing this. And I wasn't able to do that and say that for many years. But every time I would get to the point of quitting, and there were many, I mean, it still happens. Some, it's almost, something would happen that, that would turn it around a little, whether I would, maybe I'd book a commercial or I would get, I would be, do a stage reading and remember how much I, I loved it and how natural it feels. And, or I would, and I, and I would think, what is, is there any, what else can I do? Is there anything else I can do? And I'd rack my brain. I'd try to like, okay, let me start a business. Oh, okay. Let me, let me do this. And I actually, one thing I did do for a long time is I'm a math tutor. And so I worked with students in math. So then, then I started thinking maybe I should go become a math teacher and work in a school. And right. Cause yeah, you were offering, you're being a math tutor, like as a way to make income and still be able to audition and act and stuff because it was sort of like you helped creating your own schedule in a way, right? Exactly, exactly. Because I, st- I, I went after there was a point where I reached the end of my journey in waitressing, 
and I'm like, okay, what, what can I do? And it also was kind of just something that I will say, I don't want to say fell into my lap, but the universe provided <laughs> of so, you know, somebody they needed, a, it was a friend of a friend. They needed a math tutor and a, a, an academic tutor. And it was, yeah. And then, then because of that, then I would get referrals and just started doing it. So I ended up having like a roster of students for many years that I was tutoring and then doing that in addition to auditioning. And, um, but the thing I did not do, which is I, you know, I say the regret, but the regret that I've now since learned is start creating my own content. I just never, I didn't think I could. And so, and so I just, I didn't. And so I was always left in this position of waiting and giving kind of everyone else the power. Trisha here. I got to let you know about something special I'm offering. If you happen to be listening to this on the week it comes out, I am offering two live, free, totally free group coaching calls. That'll be somewhat workshop style, giving you space to reflect, to look at your life, to create some space for yourself. And I will be available for you to get direct coaching, advice, to vent about what's going on in your life. They are going to be happening on Tuesday, December 20th, and Wednesday, December 21st. You can go to yourjoyologist.com backslash space and reserve your spot. All you got to do is enter your email info and I will email you the call details. They're going to be an hour long, but you don't need to stay for the whole hour. You can pop on and off and get anything, claim any space for yourself. I love to be able to be of support for you. And I think that this time of year, there can be often added stress, anxiety. And I want to create that space for you to just be able to come home to yourself even a tiny bit more. Okay, so I really hope to see you there. It's gonna be all love, no judgment, a space for you to come and share yourself. Even if you don't speak up, I will be guiding you through some prompts. You can either journal it or just think about it. So you can join while you're driving, while you're cooking, while you're walking, camera on, camera off. It doesn't matter. We're going to meet on Zoom. I'm going to be holding space for you and guiding you to create some space for you during our call and hopefully moving forward in your life. Yourdryologist.com backslash space. Have you since started creating your own content? Kind of. In any way? But, but well, I remember school? during the pandemic, you had uh, some videos, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. What I'll were do... those videos? Those are funny. I can't remember. <laughs> I'll like do, dating? Yeah. Huh? Was it like dating during the pandemic, like a video? Or it's like, what were those videos? Oh, you're right. I did uh, like a little pandemic web Oh, like we're like, dating from stay at home or something yeah, like or I like did it with my friend Sean and we you know we made these little videos and but you know with that kind of stuff I realized that stuff it was fun and it keeps me it kept me creatively active but ultimately it was I uh was doing it for I'm sort of honoring no well I was doing that so that I have an opportunity to act while being at home so it all came down to like how can I act more and so that's where now in terms of content and, and this is where I feel like it can happen in so many different ways I am starting I wrote a pilot and I'm now writing um working on writing a feature film and for me that's where my 
that's where my brain will go. I've so I've accepted that I'm not I I'm not a short form content creator, you know, and that is okay. And that's not what because ultimately, once again, ultimately, I want to act and I want to have roles where um, I can tell a full story. And so. So now just currently I'm at a place where I'm like, okay, well, I, I gotta, I have to write a movie and this is what. Yeah. So where, yeah. Where did this switch from like being like, no, not wanting to be multi hyphenate and maybe you don't want to, but it's just like this story camp or like, yeah. Like what made you start to be like, I'm writing this pilot and I'm now I'm writing a feature film. That's a pretty big, like, yeah. To knock. <laughs> I think it's the lack of opportunity that I feel like I was getting not getting, getting uh, the lack, getting the lack. So yeah, so not, it. it's a lack of the, I don't, especially now, you know, when I was younger, I, d- I was getting a lot of great auditions, the ones that I would blow, for example. But now, <laughs> you know, now I'm not getting those as, as much. And now I feel, because even with talking about earlier with quitting, I decided I eventually did not quit. And so I always, it was every day kind of making the choice where you can quit or I could do whatever I can do that's in my own control. And this is something I tell my students a lot is like, what are the things you can do that are in your control as an actor without being too controlling? (laughs) And, but just what are the, what are the tasks you can do to feel like you are working toward your dream? and so one of them for me is is just kind of accepting the fact that okay maybe the roles that I want to play I'm not either I'm not getting the auditions for or they're not even being written in the first place and so that's where I started you know I wrote a pilot about a a math a disgraced math professor who essentially has like has a one night stand with uh somebody that she's essentially smarter than and uh, who's also a math a math professor, and then it's kind of a rom com of their their story, and uh, and I wrote it, and it's it's it was that was very helpful because I learned whether like whether or not I make it or whether it gets made or anything like that. It was I feel important for me to to do that to write to create the role because it's another. Some, I always say like someone's watching, you know, it's sort of, yes, I'm on my computer. This is not going on social media. This is not going anywhere, but I, but, uh, I'm in living in the act of living the life that I want, creating a role of some of a character that I would love to play. I feel is important for, to be represented on screen. Like you're putting that energy out into the world instead of like sitting around, why am I not getting in additions and living into like that? This is so hard. Everything's against me. Then you are like showing up and being like, okay, well, where can I put my energy in that year? So it's not even about, I'm going to sell this script. This is going to become a show. This is blah, blah, blah. This has to happen. But like you're putting your energy out into the world of, I see myself in this role and it might not necessarily be this exact role that's going to happen. But like, yeah, like you're showing up as that. Starting to, yeah, because I did spend many years of waiting and it almost, I do feel like maybe I needed to do that to get to this point of, okay, now let me, let me take control. And it was also just also years of being busy in terms of the money jobs. 
you know, and kind of being surrounded by my friends who were, you know, getting married, buying houses and, and feeling like, oh gosh, like I, when, when is that going to happen for me? But what are, but also know, knowing that, but I'm, I'm just, I'm on a different path. We are all, there's no, what is the, we are all on different paths. That's okay. And this is, a, this is a path that I chose to be on and that I choose to be on every day of, okay, this is where this is, I didn't quit. And I sa- I feel like I've sacrificed time with my family. I've sacrificed enough. And I, you know, this is all coming out of a sense of privilege in that, you know, I'm not in, I know where I'm going to get my next meal. You know, I know that I'm not going to be hungry. I know I have a home. And I'm grateful for that. And this is all, so it's, it's kind of looking at it from a global perspective. It took me, it took me years to get to that point. You know, I would forget, you know, and I victimize myself and I'd be like, oh, it's never going to happen. And it, it becomes that a, a spiral. But now I think it was maybe part of, partly due to the pandemic of spending so much time with my own thoughts and and finding a balance between, I think I was somebody that always put everyone else before me, myself, and I started choosing myself a little bit more mindfully and uh, knowing kind of what you say in the book, it's knowing that it's not selfish. It started to feel like, okay, it's not selfish to do what I want. And really, I think understanding knowing that, okay, yes, if I do what I want, then that's going to be better for, for all. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so that's what I've kind of started to do. And yeah, I'm sorry. It feels like, and again, I don't know if this is just from like the pandemic and things being like low down and shut down that too, but it feels like, I mean, I guess we're at post pandemic. I don't know what we are at now, but in the last year, it feels like I've, it feels like you've had so much more going on acting wise in the last couple years. And again, I don't know if that's just because, oh, it went from the lockdowns and everything to that, or if other things like more opportunities came your way and stuff. But yeah, I, and again, I don't know if it was because of the pandemic, I was like, sort of like, oh, I wonder, I didn't really think about it, but like, is Sonal done acting or giving up on acting? Like I had felt like maybe you were getting close to a point. Like, were you even going to leave LA? I did. I went. Yeah, I, I thought I felt like you were maybe going to leave L.A. And then it seems like, oh, my gosh, look at Sonal's and this. And she's traveling to these um, film op- award shows yeah. or what are they yeah. called? Film, film festivals. festivals. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what are they like? And like yeah. so many different things. And then, oh, now doing plays in L.A. again and stuff like that. So it feels like a big shift happened recently for you. And I don't know if it did or if that's just from the external. <laughs> no, it absolutely did. It was it's been a huge shift. And I do, I did, I moved home back to Wheaton, um, for a year and during the pandemic, during the pandemic. Yeah. And it was, but you have your left your place. You still had your place. I kept my place here and I, I did continue to pay rent on my place while I was there, which was a little unfortunate. But meaning like you didn't like move back, give everything up. You're like, okay, I'm going to do this for now, but maybe you were pondering if it's yeah, real. because I was sort of there was this feeling of well, if I haven't if I hadn't made it now nah, at this point, then it's not going to happen. I did. I should mention ten years ago, I did have a I did have a good thing happen. I was on I did Scrubs, and um, I did 
eight or nine episodes. And I had, it was a great role. It was a great opportunity. And that was a huge break for that. But then, but it's funny enough. It's like, I had like, kind of like those, those challenging years I did scrubs and scrubs ended. And then it was more kind of, it's an, it was a roller coaster. It was back to kind of low again. Like you think, wow, I did this. It's only up from here, but you really don't know. Like, it's not about you. I like, it sounds like, like in general with that acting and stuff, like it's not like, it seems like, great. I got my break. So now we're good. But unfortunately it's not. <laughs> it's unfortunately, it's not that way, but it's with, you know, it's with acting also, there's no, it's, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know. I can't say, but I, I feel like for myself, I don't know if there's a point where it's like, oh, I've made it. Like, will, would there ever be that moment? And I don't think so. I think for, I think as an actor, it's, it really is about the process and the journey. It, that is, that is, it's sort of like how you define success, like what defines it. It is that I think for an actor and very personal and, um, but for me, with the biggest shift I know that happened, <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to cry, but, and, but I do want to s- express it because I do think it's important for everyone to hear. It was finally realizing that I'm enough. And it was, it, and I believe that it did take that pause and diving into journaling, meditation, understanding, getting to know myself and, you know, expressing those, why, why hasn't it happened yet? What is happening? Like why, or why then do I blow then when I get the big uh, opportunities and what, like, how, how did I go from speaking at my college graduation to this? I sort of did hit a point of, I, I know I talked about this earlier, but of surrender and okay, this is, I know that this is what I can do. This is what I want to do. This is what I can do. This is what I, uh, you know, my, I really, really feel in my heart. This is, this is what I'm, this is my thing acting. So every day I, it was, I started sort of living the life I wanted to live and okay, if I'm an actor, then I'm going to take care of myself. And whereas back in the day, I would do a lot of that. I'd be reading scripts I'd do, but it all came from a sense of like, oh, I ha- I, I have to, I should do this stuff. This is a thing. Like back in the day, it was, I would do all these things. Oh, these are things I should be doing. These are the things. Now it was, I are, I'm doing this because I want to, because this is my, this is who I am. And so I really, it was a, a definite perspective shift. And, and I decided, okay. And even then, I'm so close to my parents and we had the best time kicking it like for a year, pretty much all day, every day, you know, and I hit a point where I'm like, I, I, and I know you can kind of be anywhere to be an actor, but I, in that moment, I felt like, no, this are, I do have to be back in Los Angeles. And it was the first time I've always had one foot there and one foot here until this moment where I'm like, this is it. I'm going back and I waited until I had an actual job to bring me back. And it was a voiceover on Craig of the Creek that I did with Parvesh and Danny, you know, my two close Chicago friends. I played their grandma. Uh, and I remember I, cause I had shipped my car back even. 
and we kind of packed up everything and it was different. This, this time coming back to LA was different. Normally, whenever I go to Chicago and come back, I'd always be in tears and feeling like I'm making the wrong choice. And what am I doing? This felt like, no, I am enough. I am worthy. I am deserving. Here I go. And it was, I'm going to do everything I can really, but everything I can to surrender to knowing that I'm enough. It's not really everything I can in, in terms of. Right. Like, let me hustle and put out, all, I need to chase every opportunity, but like, I'm going to like, yeah, show up authentically as myself and trust that I am an actor and like, yeah, like it's working out. It sounds like more. Oh, it sounds like you're like choosing to go to LA and not like, okay, I guess I'll try this out or this. It may not work out, whatever. That's like, yeah, no, I actually want to be there. This is where I'm meant to be because I am an actor and, you know, like, like, yeah, like seeing, like choosing it instead of like, "Eh, we'll just see and okay. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of operating out of fear. Fear is interesting because I do think fear, I, I try not to say be fearless because I think fear, I think that's really chat. How do you be fearless? We are humans. We're going to have fear. If there's a bear in my apartment, I will be scared. Um, I, there's a, but it's, how do you deal with the fear? How do you, uh, now, and I feel like it took, like I'm saying all these years to, to deal with, and and I kind of, the doubts, the fear to learn how to turn the volume down. Because they still pop up all the time. They're always going to. Yeah. Like, that's my whole book is like, by the way, like, just because you've now like read this book or you acknowledge these things for you, it doesn't mean they're going to go away. And they should like, I gave up the word should over 10 years ago. I don't use it, but I still feel the weight of them every day. But I just have to tune into and move through the same thing with doubts, fears, shame, judgment, you know, all jealousy, comparison. It's like those things are going to come up. And then we can be like, Oh, wait, I don't. Okay, what is happening here? What, and sometimes it's just by naming like, oh, this is me feeling jealous. Oh, this is me being afraid. Then it like releases that energy to be able to move through it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's a lot harder than that. Also, I want to shout out some more credits of yours when you said you did the voiceover. Yeah, you did. Didn't you do voiceover on Mira, mm-hmm. which my kids loved Aww. and like Powerpuff Girls and stuff. So like, yes, FYI, Sonal's had things over the years. <laughs> we just haven't been like naming them. <laughs> no, absolutely. And that's what, you know, Mira Royal Detective, Powerpuff was my first voiceover experience and doing all that. And then I kind of came back and then I really you know, thanks to Stephanie Black, artistic director of I Am A Theater Company, she invited, they had a bunch of new members invited into the company during the pandemic. And I was one of them. And I'd done some readings with them before. And this I Am has become theater home. And I think what I love about it is that the woman who started it, the the group of women who've started it, they said that, you know, they kind of wanted a place to kind of get back into their, to get back to their roots, especially in the streaming world. And that's the thing. What I love about theater is that it's it's it goes back to sort of the the ancient times when it was where things were not recorded and captured. You know, perform. It was just it was storytelling at its raw in its raw form. And and then I started. Yeah, what was it like plays. to be like back on the stage like that? Yeah, it was crazy because I had not I had not done a a play in years, many many years, really like fifteen. I did a a short twenty minute play a couple of years ago, but other than that, really I had not done a full play since college. 
or since and you did a couple of them in Chicago, in the last and year. I did two. I did two back to back, and that those it, they were the most expansive, life changing experiences. I mean, they changed my. They changed my. They changed my life, but they've also changed my uh, the way I I see myself and the way I'm. St- I, I now step into any kind of role that I'm auditioning for. It's just changed everything. It's given me. And once again, these are things, what's funny is that, yes, it's not, it's not creating content for the sake of, um, or in the, in the way that I've seen other people do it's It's different. It's a different, it's a different way. And one, it allowed me to expand, to kind of see what I could do. Um, but less about, I, I don't want to make that a, about me. It was also just being in community with, with artists that we're all kind of doing it for the sake of it. We're doing it for the sake of it, you know, like not necessary. We're not, you know, making a ton of money. We're not doing it for any other reason other than to share these stories for a live audience and um, have them hopefully feel or think or take away, you know, in or be entertained or anything. And that that I feel like is so it's the root of the root of acting. It's, you know, over years, I think it became about getting this job and getting this. And, but that's not why I got into it in the first place. I got into it to tell stories and, and what you were enjoying back in doing plays in high school and college and surrender. There's nothing like theater that forces you to really feel like surrender to them. I mean, as an actor, like to surrender to the moment, there's no, you you can't call cut. You can't, you have to be present. You have to really listen. I was going to say, was there a part of you when those opportunities came up that like, did any part of you be like, oh no, I don't want to do like, you know, or sort of like, oh, I'm not, I don't want to do this. Like I don't, because again, I'm guessing it's a huge time commitment, not very much financial payoff, but payoff in other ways or not even payoff, but like, yes, how much you're saying it gave to you, but like, was a part, did a part of you, like when those opportunities go up, like, oh no, like I need to be, you know, using my time to be doing these things, not that. Or were you right away like, yes, theater. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, I, I, I think I avoided doing theater because I, I had to tutor and I had to make money and I had to do those kinds of things. I was fortunate enough to have a couple of commercials that I booked that allowed me to have the freedom to do theater. Like you had the financial padding. So you were able to take that time to do this thing you wanted to do and not like have to make your choices out of how you're going to pay your bills. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, um, okay, I'm going to wrap up, but yeah, I want to like, um, what's, what is, what's happening with, um, yeah. Is it for samosas that seem like it's getting a ton of attention and what is that? Like, yeah, I want to like <laughs> talk about some big sure. things. Four samosas I shot last August, funny enough, so it was before I've had these ex- the expansive theater experiences. Um, but Ravi Kapoor wrote and directed it. And he is a, somebody that I've known for many years. And I did a film of, that he made maybe seven years ago called Miss India America. And I had three or four lines in it. He, kind, he called me one day and was like, hey, I wrote the script. We're shooting in August. I'd love for you to play Paru. And... I was like, okay. You know, it was kind of one of those, I am one of those people. I will say yes. I will say yes to kind of everything within reason. And sometimes we'll say yes to myself first before that. But this was, you know, Ravi is somebody that I've worked with before that I've known that even before I read the script, I was like, 
in. Of course I'll do it sort of thing. And we shot it in Artesia, which is like the little India outside of LA. And it was a lot of, it was like working with a lot of friends. And it's so the movie's about, it's a heist comedy about four, uh, and I'm one of the four, um, people who are a little dense (laughs) and it's led um, by a wannabe rapper who is basically trying to get, uh, he's trying to steal diamonds from the father of the woman he wants to marry. And so we come up with this heist, they get me involved and it's, uh, yeah, we we essentially are very bad at heisting. uh, We, and so the film ended up uh, premiering at Tribeca Film Festival in June. And I, you know, this was one of those moments of this is, you know, it's like those, I had maybe, I probably had 10 years of staring at the wall and feeling down and feeling like, gosh, when am I ever going to be an actor? And I, it was this moment I was doing untitled baby play and Tribeca, the film premiered on Friday, my understudy, they scheduled my understudy to go on for me that night. So I flew to New York, went to the premiere the next morning, woke up super early, got on a plane to get back and went, came home, took a shower, went straight to the theater and did a performance that night, the next day and the next day after that. And it was this moment where I was so tired, but so grateful and feeling like, wow, I'm an actor. And like, wow, and finally, and, uh, and this, this, it almost, it's like moment, those little moments like that, that kind of, I don't want to say make it all worth it. Cause it's, it's, I feel like that's a, it's a, not the, it doesn't encompass, I think every, that. But it's it's just so it is a, a a moment that felt really oh good thing I started think feeling like I'm enough because this is a great moment right like you can actually like savor it whereas yeah it's like you got to be doing it because it's fulfilling to you like you enjoy it it serves you and like when you have those moments and it's like sort of like yes this is you know like the remembrance of like look, it's, you know, it wasn't, you know, or just like, yeah, not like it's not for nothing because it's it's all about like the daily fulfillment and purpose of that and enjoying it that. But yeah, like it's just like the cherry on top of the cake and sort of like the validation in some way where it's not like, see, now I'm an actor. Like you said, it gives you that feeling, but it's like not really, but just this reminder of what you already know to be true. And then like having it like, look at me, I trusted myself. I've been working hard. I'm showing up. And this feels so right. And like, yeah, like here's some outside evidence as well. Yeah. And I just, I do want to point out that that's, this just not, this is not based on, oh, now people know my name or, oh, now (laughs) I'm, you know, now I'm like, blah, blah, blah. Paparazzi are waiting outside. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's not about that. I've never, this is just about in this, I like, I'm an actor. It was, it, that's to me for as a career wise, that was, you are a working I, actor. <laughs> I, and I feel like it's just being able to say I'm an actor. And I think that is, and that really came from shifting to feeling like I'm enough. Which, yeah, I mean, with that sort of thing, I mean, for any, I feel like creative or just anyone who's working on your own, even for me, like when people are like, oh, what do you do? Like, I can have a moment of like this because it's not like here is, you know, known or it's like you could be saying you're an actor and 
not actually be in anything for months at a time. But that doesn't mean you're not an actor anymore. Right. Like right. <laughs> you are an actor. Right. But it's not like, well, oh, but if you're not on a show that I know, then you're not an actor. Or yeah, when was your like whatever the thing that you are an actor? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And wait, but I just also like, yeah, just huge. I'm guessing like premiering at Tribeca is not oh, yeah. like, so then it got, not something so- that you had even expected to do in like, yeah, sure, I'll do your movie. And then like, yeah, I didn't know. Whoa, was- okay, this is happening. Mm-hmm. It's f- so funny because I think, and it was sold, IFC bought the movie and it's going to be released in theaters December 2nd. In That is uh, so in awesome. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's really fun. It's also one of those things of, wow, like I, this is just, like who knew that this was that like you never know like too really like we just know. never really know we're waiting for like the big break in some ways to happen many in all of our lives not just in actors where it's like it's not like you went on some huge audition and you yeah like back in the day where you, the microphone happened like that like but like yeah you said yes to this project that felt like it'd be fun probably not expecting to get and much to happen beyond that with the like, okay, great. This will be a fun way to spend time. And like, you just never really know where things are going to come from. And like, yeah, it's like the, you, because of you did like three lines in a movie seven years ago too. Like, yeah, we really never know how things are working out. Yeah. Planting the seeds. And I think it's a continuation of staying act, staying active towards your dreams However, the and and however they show up for you, and that was kind of just one of I was like, oh, okay, get a chance to act for a few weeks, great. That was kind of all I, how I looked at it, and then not awesome. Well, I'm so excited for you, and glad that you came back to LA and have been saying yes to all of these things. Because yeah, even though I haven't like seen you, besides seeing you in the play and after, like it just feels like it feels like yeah, it really feels like your energy is different and like you're thriving in a new way, like not just even career wise and what is externally but like internally yeah i believe that you your your feeling is correct (laughs) yeah okay uh so the questions i ask everybody is what is like what are your go-tos to raise your joy levels when maybe you are not feeling great today things are hard challenging everything's so hard like what do you do to support yourself to try to boost your mood or just get out of the funk a little bit. I have a couple of different things. I'll go for a hike. <laughs> uh, I think na- nature has 99% of the answers. So I'll go for a hike. I'll do, I'll sometimes do hypnotherapy. Um, and so if I'm feeling really tired and low, I'll turn on a hypnotherapy recording. And sometimes I'll take a nap while listening to it, you know, but it it helps. That is definitely a go-to thing that I do. Interesting. And are those like ones that are for public consumption or like an app or like someone you worked with that then has the recording? I use, I use something called Mind Valley. Um, I'm a member of Mind Valley. And so that's like an app. Mm-hmm. Right for mm-hmm. meditation and stuff, so it's, it's like app. a sort of meditation. Variety. Well, they have like different courses in terms of uh, spiritual. Yeah, so I'll do that. Um, more often than not, the thing that always helps is calling a friend or calling my parents or you know connecting. You know, just connecting with with a, with someone. Um, that's that's definitely a thing that I feel 
I disconnect aside from listening to these, you know, hypnotherapy or a meditation recording, I'll disconnect from my phone. If I am feeling really, um, unfocused and I'll just put my phone away and get bet and pick up a book or do something like that. Those are the big things. And journal, journal, I'll set a timer for 10 minutes and just sometimes journal either by type or writing that those are, I feel like those are kind of my go-tos because, um, and trying to really incorporate those kinds of activities into my routine because I, but I do also want to mention something I tell my students a lot too, is that I used to always think, oh my gosh, by the time I meditate, hike, journal, and do all of that stuff, it's noon and I just wasted my day. and. I just, I want to clarify that to me that those activities are the day. Those activities are things that they, I don't, I just don't feel like they, like I used to think of them as tasks and now I think of them as just part of, part of the day. Well, and I get it. Like people can be like, oh, I, I don't have time to do that thing. But, but the thing is, if you do take a break in your day, even if it's for just five minutes to like do something to help yourself support yourself, reset, then like the rest of the things in your day that you are trying to do, you will likely be able to do like more easily with more focus, with more dedicated energy. So it can feel like, oh, like I just got to get through all this stuff first, but you're not really like being productive while you're doing the thing because you're probably like all stressed out or frazzled or yeah. So it's like they do support you. And yeah, sometimes you just need to press pause on all the things and do the things to support yourself. So again, you can come back to those things that you want to get done with a new energy. Uh, okay, what is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. Can you think of a way to apply that in your own life? What is easiest for me is blank. What is best for me is blank. It might be just like a natural habit way of being, way that your brain wants to like think about things. What is easiest for me is what is best for me is. What is easiest for me would be to succumb to negativity and the voices and the doubts and the fears and those things we were talking about earlier. What is best for me is to choose positivity. And I don't mean toxic positivity. I think it's honoring. My dad always says, just always be positive. Even if there's something in, even if something's really bad, there's always something to be grateful about or, you know, something to, to that, that there's a light. As a society, I feel like it's easy to commiserate over misery. <laughs> it's easy to, to, uh, relate by way of saying, yeah, this, this, it does. Like if you're in line at, uh, if the line is long somewhere and you turn to the person next to you, you're like, oh, this line is so long and that kind of thing. And it's easy to do that, but it's best. Uh, what was it? Best, better, best to, Oh God, I get to be in line. I get to have this coffee. I get to, uh, it, it's it's best to focus on the what we do have as opposed to what we don't. Yeah, and, and yeah. So what's possible? And what's though, possible? Like, oh, nothing's gonna work out. This and like, but what if it does? What it could? Like, yeah, it's not it doesn't have to be a toxic, but even like leaving that space open for hope instead of like everything's against me, which is not easy. It's not easy, I think, to to turn down to turn down the volume of the comparison of all these things we talk about, and but it is best to. 
yeah, be op- vulnerable, vulnerably open and um, positive. But the last question you've kind of already done. So you may give the, the answer you've said, you've stated, but or you could change it. Um, the name of the podcast is Claim It. What are you claiming for yourself right now? I, yeah, you're right. I did say it. And I think it is, it kind of remains the same, but there are some addendums. I claim, <laughs> I claim that I'm enough. I claim joy. I claim love. Having a, a full, yeah, a full, joyful, loving life with family, friends, and doing what I intrinsically want to do. Love it. Love you, Sonal. It's been so good to, you. to chat deeper. Thank you so much. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And it looks like as of now, you can rent or buy four samosas on Prime Video. I'm guessing there might be some other spots too. I know there was a limited release in theaters. Go check out Sonal. I will have her links in the notes. Uh, I really loved having this conversation. And, you know, especially with someone who is doing something that they're passionate about, looking at again, like, how does that feel for you when it can feel like, do we stop doing something we love if it hasn't reached somebody else's level of success or a level of what we or what we thought one day would it look like? You know, like, so what's motivating you to do what you're doing? And to allow yourself to enjoy it, or yeah, why are you doing the thing you're doing? Do you still love it and enjoy it? Or are you attached to that as your identity? Just, you know, just some light things to think about. <laughs> Make sure to join me. I don't know when you're listening to this, but I will be having free coaching calls, group coaching calls, live coaching calls. It'll be somewhat workshop and also available to give you support on the next, um, well, the week that you're listening to this. So on the 20th and the 21st, just go to yourjoyologist.com backslash space here to support you, sending you love. And you can always remember to join my From the Heart community where I'm sending out messages from my heart. Those are mind talks, heart talks, pep talks, about four to five days a week that come direct to your inbox in both written and audio form. Go to trishahuffman.substack.com to join me there. And of course, all the links are in the show notes.